0: to the Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by examining the Word of God and focusing on the Book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. By digging deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. If you know that there's more to your walk with Yeshua, with Jesus of Nazareth, and you want to join us on this journey, you're welcome. You're welcome because it's needed. This is the time to find our way back to the red letter basics. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, we appreciate it. Each and every one of you that do, there are ways to do so on the main page. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. If you uh, subscribe to us, you'll know when we're posting new content, like the new testimony that will be going up, another testimony time on Firefall Talk Radio. It'll be on the YouTube Firefall Network had a brain freeze there, as well as the audio portion being podcast on the various streaming platforms. In regards to the Bible study and the scripture, and I give you a lot of scripture, and I know that sometimes it's difficult to keep up. Here's what I would suggest. Listen first. Get the message. Get it into your spirit. Then listen to it a second time. Copy the scriptures and take notes. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So the more you listen, the more you get it. The more you write it, the more you retain. And I believe that way you'll find what you're looking for in the meat of this word. Starting with praise reports and prayer requests. And so, first of all, Father, I praise you for my home, for my family, my pets, possessions, all that I have, for the technology you've given us for the ability to do this with your children, my brothers and sisters, to glorify you, set the captives free, and destroy the work of the enemy. We ask that you would watch over us, watch over all that we have, protect us from harm, accident, illnesses, and injuries. We ask that you would bless us, give us the provision necessary to go do what you've called us to do to further the kingdom of God, to prepare the way for the king so that everything will have been done that needs to be done before he arrives. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for restoring us in right relationship to our Heavenly Father. We thank you for shedding of your blood on the cross, washing away our sins, getting our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We thank you for rising from the dead and sitting at the right hand of the Father from where you sent back your Holy Spirit to walk with us, to teach us, to guard us, to guide us, to do everything necessary for us to do this job. We want to glorify you. We want to draw people to you. So we ask that you have your way, Holy Spirit. Do whatever you want to do tonight. We ask you to break through The bondages break through the chains, break through everything that hinders us from hearing, from doing, and from receiving what you have for us. We pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. All right, get those Bibles ready. Follow along however you do. If you use the apps, that's fine. I'd prefer you have a real tangible Bible that you can write in and have if the power goes out or if for some reason we can't access technology. This journey began two weeks ago in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts you double-minded. Worldliness is a fatal disease. It eats us alive. It destroys our soul. It disrupts our relationship with God. So we talked about overcoming the world. We talked about overcoming the flesh. Now we're going to talk about overcoming the devil, who uses those first two in our destruction. But you can't love this world. Do not love the world or the things in the world, this is first John starting with verse 1 John chapter 2, starting with verse 15. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God Abides forever. Then John goes on to say about the deception of this last hour in which we are living. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us. They were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they may, might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you, listen, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I've not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. That world he's talking about is the cosmos. It's the era the age in which we live. It's the influence of everything around us. It's the behavior, the fashion. It's the government of this world system. The world is an immoral, evil system on every level. Natural, supernatural, politics, um, media. The world is not of God. It's under the influence of Hasatan, and it is opposed to God into Messiah's kingdom on earth. And the things that make up this world system and all of its elements are evil and rebellion against God. James 4:4 4, 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity which is hatred with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The love of God and the love of the the things of the world are not compatible. You've got to pick a side. You've got to decide where your loyalties lie. And the world appeals to the people's fleshly desires and therefore diverts them from God. And those who are from this world need God to redeem them from it. Now because of The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You put yourself in a position where you are serving two masters. The Lord said, Matthew 6, 24, No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon represents the riches of this world. No one, I don't care who you are, you cannot serve two masters because you're going to hate one and love the other. You can't bridge the two and say, I'm in love with both. No, I serve both. No. You're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. Mammon, which is money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. Satan would love to give you all of those things. The status, the favor, the possessions, the fame, the fortune, the bright lights, because it draws you away from God. That kind of spiritual double vision gives us a divided loyalty. It sets us up for failure. He's either Lord of all or not of all. And I know some people go, oh, that's a bit much, Richard. That's a little bit too uh, extreme. You need to find a middle ground. That's exactly what this is saying you don't need to do. You need to decide where your loyalties lie. The word mammon is derived from the Aramaic term for possessions or wealth. And Yeshua is not condemning money or possessions in and of themselves, but the improper attitude that comes from being enslaved to that wealth. You buy a big home, you're enslaved to that home. You got to feed that monster. It's going to take up your time, your money, your efforts. So what do you do? Colossians 3. Starting verse 2, set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on the things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. For you have died to this world, and your new real life is hidden with Messiah and God. In case you don't know it, the treasures that you have can be found in heaven and not on earth. This earth is passing away; you can't take it with you, as they say. The Lord says in Matthew six, starting verse nineteen: Do not store up for yourselves material treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, or where the government comes and takes them. I added that; that's not in there. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth. Nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. See these elements the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life they're satanic. They're characterized and interpreted as corresponding to the three ways that Eve was tempted in the garden, or even the temptations of Yeshua in the wilderness, both of which we'll touch on. But John, the Apostle John, is making a short list of the different ways that believers can be lured away from a loving God. He loves you with an undying love, a passionate love, and he wants the best for you, his best for you. Not yours, not the world's, not society's, but his. The lust of the flesh, which we talked about, refers to the desires from sinful, sensual pleasures. The lust of the eyes refers to the covetousness or materialism that this world inspires. And the pride of life refers to being proud about one's position in this world. You'll learn very quickly the same position that's elevated you can be taken from you. The rise up and the rise down are both in the hand of man unless God has ordained it. And if he hasn't ordained it, there's nothing you do can do to keep it. And they're all, as I said, satanic in nature. The New King James New Spirit-Filled Life Bible says that John spent his latter years in Ephesus. This is where he got off the when he got off the Isle of Patmos and he was released from prison. He was in his nineties, I believe. And the tone of his writings suggest that they're the products of a mature man who's had profound spiritual experience and points to an acceptance of who the Lord is. We know the book of John is about love. But you look at 1 John and 2 John, they're about love, but they're about loyalty too. He attacks the heresy going on, the false teachings, the things that are drawing people away. And clearly lays the blame on Satan's influence and man's decisions. But John affirms to us that God, our Father, Abba, is light. And fellowship with him causes us to walk in the light and in true fellowship with other believers. See, that's the other thing about the world. You can't walk with the world and walk with believers who are committed to God. They're not going in the same direction. James 4, starting verse 7. We've touched on this, but now we've got to circle back because we're going to be talking about the topic of it. Submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Come close to God with a contrite heart, and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify those unfaithful hearts. Be miserable and grieve and weep over your sin. Let your foolish laughter be turned to mourning and your reckless joy to gloom. See, closeness to God inspires loyalty. It it creates an inner purity in us and in the intent of our hearts. Remember, the Lord says that the heart is evil above all things. But when you are filled with the Spirit and your heart has been transformed, and it's no longer a human heart, but His heart in us, then when we're walking with him, we absorb him. We absorb his glory. We absorb everything about him. And therefore, the things of this world should become repulsive to us. You can't straddle the two worlds. It will destroy you. And the enemy will take advantage of it. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness of sin... We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we really walk in the light, that is, live each, each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God as he himself is in the light, we have true, unbroken fellowship with one another, he with us and we with him. And the blood of Yeshua, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. And by erasing the stain of sin, keeping us cleansed from sin, in all its forms and manifestation. Fellowship with the Father is found in the light. You're not going to find him in the shadows. You're not going to find him in the darkness. But you will find sin there, and you will find the enemy there. Because darkness and sin cannot exist in his light, in his glory, in his presence. First John chapter 3, verse 4, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness isn't talking about the laws of this world. It's the laws of God. And you know that He, capital H, Yeshua, was manifested to take away our sins. And in Him there is no sin. Whoever abides in Him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen Him nor known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the work of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, the Lord. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. The love of the Father and the love of the world are totally incompatible. And no one born of God who has the love of the Father in them is in the habit of practicing sin. Do we get tripped up? Yes. Do we make mistakes? Yes. But if you're living in habitual sin, something is wrong. Remember last week we pointed out that the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary says, That sin is action by which humans rebel against God, miss His purpose for their life, and surrender to the power of evil than to the power of God. It's a choice. You're surrendering to another power, to another source, to another companion to walk with. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who is born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lay, lies under the sway of the wicked one. That's 1 John 5, 18, and 19. The whole world, the thing we're living on, the system. Everything about this world is under the sway, it's under the influence, it's under the manipulation of the wicked one who we know is Hasatan, but it's over and under rather the entire kingdom of darkness. Though we're saying the devil's singular and we're saying Satan, the adversary, the accuser, but it's an entire network, an entire kingdom, and the threat is more than just him. We know by the Spirit, by being born again, we know positively that we are of God. And the whole world around us, this whole fallen world system, everything, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, is under the power of Ha Satan and the fallen. Messiah, Yeshua, our Lord, is the antithesis of sin. And he has appeared that he might take away all of our sin. He is our human example. And he had no sin connection with Satan or this world. John 14, 30, read letters, he says, I will not speak with you much longer. For the ruler of the world, Satan, is coming. And he has no claim on me, no power over me, nor anything he can use against me. Oh, what it would be to be able to say that so completely. No power, nothing to use against me, he says. Now, he was tested, and we know that in Luke chapter 4. It's also in Mark 1 and and Matthew 4, but I'm going to read from Luke 4, starting with verse 1. This is after being baptized by John in the Jordan. Now Yeshua, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, You need to understand that the stones in that area were oblong and shaped and looked like loaves of bread. But Yeshua answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Who delivered it to him? Adam did. Man did. And all the kingdoms in a moment's time, what had been, what was, and what would be. Ephesians 2, 1-3 through says... And You, he made alive, were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others." Satan's in control of the system, Second Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel, the good news, is veiled. It's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, and who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Messiah, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So what did Yeshua say to him when he was offered all the kingdoms of the world? He said, get behind me, Satan. Literally, get out of my face. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. We've heard that before. We're going to hear that again, get behind me, Satan. In Matthew 16, when Peter tries to stop him from going to Jerusalem to be crucified, he speaks to Peter who at that moment is under the influence of Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men, which means the things of this world. So then, continuing on, the temptation in the wilderness, verse 9, then Satan brought him, Yeshua, to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone, quoting the word. Remember, Satan knows the word probably better than most of you. So you better know the word. You better be able to say it is written or it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. That's what Yeshua said. And now when the devil had ended every temptation... He departed from him until an opportune time. He left, but he was coming back. He was going to look for another opportunity. But the Lord knew the word. He spoke the word. He hit Satan with the word. He didn't get into an argument. He didn't point his finger. He didn't do anything but speak the word back to him because he knows that Satan does not Have a defense for that word. So these three temptations were, use your miraculous power to supply ordinary and personal needs at my command. The second was, prove your sonship by a special demonstration of God's protection. Be reckless. Make a spectacle of your power. In other words, commit suicide. See if he'll stop you. The other was use your power and your influence and the worldly organizations and the kingdom and become great among men. So many men fall for that one. Now remember how it ended. When the devil had finished tempting Yeshua, he left him until the next opportunity came or until a more opportune time at other times in other ways. If he wasn't afraid of Yeshua, he's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of me. And we need to understand that. We also need to understand that the Lord understands when we do get seduced, when we do get tricked, when we do make the wrong decisions. Hebrews 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points... Was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Sin is universal. We all sin. We're all capable of it. He was, but he chose not to. Now, who's responsible for sin? Well, God didn't create it, Satan took advantage of it, man committed it. It's rebellion. It's when you don't do what God's best for you. And that's what Adam and Eve did. They rebelled against the clear command of God and sin infected humanity. And how did that happen? Satan tricked them into focusing on something and desiring it more than being obedient to God. Satan entices us. When we change our focus, and he does it by changing our desire. Temptation is his tool. And it's a good one. He doesn't need a new one. It still works. Let's go to Genesis 3. Starting verse 1. Now the serpent, who in this case is representative of Satan... I don't actually believe it was Satan. I believe it was an actual serpent that was being used by Satan. Was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the, the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. He didn't say anything about touching it. Right there, Eve is ripe for deception. And the serpent pounces on that, and he says to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food food, and was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of the fruit and ate lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. When they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden, the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me of that tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. For me, this is the first example of man not being accountable for their actions and wanting to blame somebody else for a choice that they made. God, the incorruptible, eternal God, made us incorruptible and eternal in his image. But because of the devil's actions... Because of his envy of Adam and Eve's relationship with God and Adam and Eve's failure to be obedient, death entered the world. And those who choose Satan's companionship experience it. Every animal that dies, that's why it's their fault. Every person that dies, it's their fault. Sin sickness illness disease their fault we can blame satan but he didn't do it he got them to do it to themselves they just he deceived me he tricked me into making a bad choice the devil did it if anything in 2023 we need to start being accountable for our actions we have a generation that have been told it's not their fault. It's your parents' fault. It's how you were raised. It's it's what happened to you. Your history is the fault. Your experience, that's the fault that you chose to do the things that you did. Well, I will say from personal experience, what was done to me my, by my father did influence my decisions, but I still had to choose to do wrong. Thankfully, he still forgave me. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15. He's talking about false apostles and false teachers and deceitful workers that are transforming themselves into apostles of Messiah. And he says, no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. Satan is a deceiver. He can masquerade as an angel of light if he wants to. Heck, he can even name himself angel of light by the word, by the way, that's what Moroni means. The angel that started and influenced a major worldwide religion. And his tool is deception. He doesn't force us. He doesn't browbeat us. He doesn't threaten us. He tricks us into choosing something other than God and his best for us. You know, you can either have God's perfect will in your life, which is Isaac, the promise of Isaac, or God's permissive will, which is Ismail, Ishmael, where you decide to do what you would like to do, and you hope that He blesses it. Oh, God will be with, okay with it. God's grace will cover it. I, I can go do this. I can go to this place where the enemy might be there; these evil things might be there, and He's going to cover me. No. He's not. He may keep the enemy from killing you, but you reap what you sow. 1 John 3, verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the work of the devil. What do you mean? When, When did he sin from the beginning? when he rebelled against God and took a third of the angels with him and then came down to earth and the atmospheric realm around the earth and brought that with him, infected humanity with it and still does to this day. Now that word destroy the works of the devil doesn't mean to annihilate. That'll come at a later time. It means to break down, to undo or to render ineffective. That's what we do. When we destroy the work of the enemy, we break it down, we undo it. We render it ineffective so that the person you're ministering to can make a clear-headed choice that they can choose life, they can choose the Lord. So Messiah did not obliterate him, though I wish he would. He didn't. Man's free will It's put to the test, but he did come to undo the works of the enemy, did come to free people from their sins and the awful consequences of their sins. A fallen world, a fallen world system, and a fallen angel ruling it. That's why we're in this world, but not of this world. It's not our home. We live in a different kingdom. But knowing that, no matter where you live in this world, there is an indigenous threat. Here in Florida, we have gators in the lakes. Arizona's got scorpions. Um, The mountains may have lions, and the the woods have bears. Oh my. But there is a threat. 1 Peter 5, starting verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, it's interesting, adversary, adversary, your adversary, the accuser, your adversary, Hasatan, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his Eternal glory by Messiah Yeshua, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. First Peter 5, 8-11 says, Fallen world, you're going to suffer tribulation. The enemy's going to attack you. Be awake, be aware. Be strong. Ephesians 6, 10-12. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Principles, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places different levels of the demonic, different rankings, different abilities. Do they use humans? Yes, absolutely. We see it every day. But we shouldn't consider those human beings our enemies. We should understand that our opposition comes from the fallen unseen world of spiritual evil and that's why he gave us authority over that realm. That's why we need to walk in that authority. You can't overcome the world, the flesh or the devil unless you're walking in the authority given to you by the Lord. Ephesians 6:13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Keep your footing don't let the enemy take you off your feet. Because if you lose your footing in a fight, if you've ever been in one, and you go to the ground, you're in a bad place. You're in a dangerous place. And you got to get back up on your feet as quickly as you can, if you can. God's armor gives us as believers the ability to resist the attacks of the devil in a time of evil, which is now when evil prevails, which is now, and it keeps standing firm for him, for his kingdom, for his glory, for his testimony. Picking it up at Ephesians 6, 14. Stand therefore, back to standing, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet, the preparation of the gospel of peace above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery dark darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The shield of faith blocks all those accusations, blocks all those words, blocks all the things the enemy would send you way to harm you, disrupt you, even take you off your feet. Stand, therefore, dig those heels in, be ready to resist, and be ready to use the Word of God as your sword. This physical armor that the Roman soldiers wore that Paul gives us the imagery of, which last year I think it was we did a series on and and did a great in-depth on each article of the armor, It's necessary for our survival. And except for the sword of the spirit, it's defensive. We attack with the word, but we defend all those other parts. But we need to focus on what he's given us. Every day when I pray, every day when I proactively pray against what I know the enemy can and will do, To me and my family and those that I cover in prayer. I know that I'm standing in the gap. I may be the only thing standing between them and destruction. Standing on behalf of the Lord. Providing inspiration until they can get to the point where they can stand their ground. You have to stand your ground. The enemy is going to push. He's going to lean on you. He's going to try to tire you out, going to try to take you down. Hold on. Stand your ground. Know the Word. Know the Spirit. Know the things of the Spirit because if the enemy gets in there, if he gets a, a, a false teaching in your mind, if he gets something in your heart, if he gets you to hear something that wasn't said the way it was said, he's going to lead you down a path of destruction. He's going to get you down an alleyway and attack you. But overcoming has its privileges. You want to be an overcomer. Revelation 3.21, He who overcomes the world through believing that Yeshua is the Son of God, the Lord says, I will grant to Him the privilege to sit beside me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down beside my father on his throne. If you overcome, you get to sit in a position of authority. But as overcoming has its privileges, rebellion has a price. And it places us at odds with the kingdom of God and in the sights of the kingdom of darkness. And believe me. The enemy gets you in their sights, they're gonna take the shot. There's no grace, there's no mercy. They'll keep kicking you when you're down, even when you when you've given up. Usually that's what wakes me up is when I'm kicked one more time than needed. Revelation 12, starting in verse 7. And a war broke out in heaven. Michael the Archangel and his angels waging war. With the dragon, the dragon being Satan and his angels fought, but they were not strong enough and did not prevail, and there was no longer a place, a place for them in heaven or the heavenlies. And the great dragon was thrown down, the age-old serpent who is called the devil and Satan. He who continually deceives and seduces the entire inhabited world has been thrown down to the earth and his angels thrown down with him. This is not when he rebelled. This is afterward, pretty much almost simultaneously with the removal of the church and the casting of Satan and his angels out of the heavenly realm down to earth. We must overcome. We must choose the one who paid our debts for us because the price for not doing so is incredibly high. Not only will you still be on the earth when that takes place, Revelation 20, verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The lake of fire created for Satan and his angels to torment supernatural beings for all of eternity. not meant for us, meant for him. But before that happens, we must heed the message and follow the example to overcome. That's why I'm so passionate about this. That's why I stay on these topics week to week. That's why I say to you, download them, re-listen to them. Mark them. Get this word inside of you. It will boast of your faith so that when the enemy comes after you, suddenly the Spirit can pull that Scripture forward, can pull that revelation forward. Revelation 12, starting verse 10. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom The dominion reign of our God and the authority of his Messiah have come. For the accuser of our believing brothers and sisters has been thrown down at last. He who accuses them and keeps bringing charges of sinful behavior against them before our God day and night. And they overcame and conquered him because of the blood of the Lamb. Because of the word of their testimony. For they did not love their life and renounce their faith, even when faced with death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them in the presence of God. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you in great wrath, knowing he has only a short time remaining. Satan, the accuser of the brethren, stands in that heavenly realm. I believe just outside the distance of the throne room. I do not believe he has access with the sons of God to the throne room. And he, hey, did you see what your son did down there? Did did you hear what she said? That's what he does. That's his power. He's a lawyer. He's a legalist. He's looking for that opening to say, hey, they're outside your covering. They've committed sin. They're no longer under your authority. I have access to them. And usually at that moment, if you're born again and the Spirit's there, you get that little nudge to repent. You get that little nudge to close the opening and the gap before the enemy gets in. But that's what he's doing. And he has a network of evil, fallen angels, demonic offspring of the watchers from Genesis 6, he's got this humongous network working together in a war against God and the children of God. And it's getting worse. And I believe what we're seeing in the world is the enemy preparing for those that are coming out of the pit, returning the world to the condition it was when they got put in prison, the debauched, depraved, ugly, demonic world that they left behind, so that when they step out of prison, like mob, mafia dons or Colombian drug lords, they go right back into their power. They go right back to their kingdom. They go right back to their gangs, just the way it was when they left. See, our job is to keep it from happening that way. Our job is to slow that process down. Our job is to make it more difficult for them to round up the troops because they've been saved, healed, and delivered. But now is the time to overcome and to sit with him before it's too late. Now is the time to choose which side you're on. Are you on the side of the world and the things of the world and the people of the world? Who are you going to defend? Who are you going to show loyalty to? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to put my chips on the Lord. My bet's on him because his blood's on me. We're going to keep doing what we do. We're going to press on. We're going to press through. We're going to stand. We're going to draw the sword. We're going to teach others how to do it. Get that word inside of you. That's your sword. Get the word. Know the scripture. Give the spirit something to work with. Oh, can he give it to you supernaturally? Yes, it happens all the time. He does that. But you need to strengthen your faith. You need to work out. You need to spend more time in this Word and in the Spirit and the things of the Word and the things of the Spirit than you do the things of the world. Watch what goes in your eyes. Watch what goes in your ears. Guard yourself. Guard your mind. Guard your heart. We're running out of time. Now's time, high time, for us to do what we need to do. Put on the armor of light. Father, I pray from my heart for your children, for myself, for my family, for all that I have. I pray your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that your angels would stand with us that your spirit would guide us and speak to us. Any areas of our life that are not submitted to you. Show us. So that we can deal with it. Any openings in our fortress. Any opening in the walls. Any openings that would allow the enemy to slip in. Show us. So we can seal it shut. If the armor is not on right. Maybe it's not on at all. Tell us. Show us, Lord. Show us those areas that make us weak and a target. Heal us in heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit so that we can be used by you. Touch us right now in that area, Lord, whether it's a bodily part whether it's an area of the heart, an area of the mind, soul, or spirit. Touch it right now, Holy Spirit. Heal it. Seal it. Lord, we need you. We need you in this time. We need your love. We need to be able to shine your light, be beacons, In the darkness for our brothers and sisters, for our family members who we claim into the kingdom. They may be so far away from you, they may not want to be anywhere near you. But we ask that you would send an angel to them. Send a messenger. Have somebody cross their path. And catch them at a moment where they're not on guard. And tell them that the Lord loves them. And he wants them to come home. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the ability to do this. Do you agree with me? Simply say, Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord, may Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.